Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, want to learn more about Lifestyles Unlimited and the Real Estate Education and Mentoring Program? Call us at 866-945-6565. That's 866-945-6565. Or go to lifestylesunlimited.com to register for our free workshop. We're working on your financial freedom. Today, I've got four different topics I'm going to cover. Uh, so hopefully I can get each topic covered during a segment uh, and not go long on it. But if we don't, I just won't get to them. But the first topic uh, was brought about by me doing some uh, reading this morning. And uh, I like to read other people's self-help stuff and see what they come up with and see if it makes sense to me. I was reading an article by a guy, and actually it was a video uh, that was sent to me uh, as an advertisement. And the guy was supposedly an expert at goal setting. Okay, And I say supposedly because... First of all, the guy looked like a gigantic, fat human being with fuzzy beard. He didn't look professional at all. He didn't look like he could be what he was claiming to be. He said he was a personal coach and a business coach. And, you know, he had this bit about goal setting. Now, as I get into this, I don't want you to get wrapped up on the fact that I'm calling this guy a really disgusting looking human being. That's not really the point. The point I'm making is, if this guy is so successful, why would he not be successful enough to lose weight and get in shape and look like a professional, you know, business person? See, you just got to look at people and see what, what, what are they doing? What, how much of what they're talking about is just BS, right? How much is real and how much is crap? And so I decided I was going to listen to the guy's stuff. I wanted to see what he had to say. Maybe I was wrong uh, about the guy in first impression, you know, whatever. But remember this. I was 200 pounds in fourth grade. I've been fat. Just like a black person could call a black person black, a fat man could call another fat man fat. And that is not an insult or discrimination in any way, shape, or form. What it is is, hey, I've been that, and I figured out how to fix it. He just hasn't or doesn't want to. One of the two. Now, moving on to the material, because the material is quite interesting. He says in his goal-setting piece, and it was just a small piece, he said, don't start with unrealistic goals. Do not start with unrealistic goals and don't set too many goals. Well, you can see what he means by too many goals. He's got one goal, get out a video to try to sell some product, but no goal on getting in shape, no goal on shaving off the beard and looking like a nice clean cut all American business person that would actually attract someone to want to help them. You know, If he's a business coach, he needs to understand sales, and he does not look the part. Fake it till you make it is something that every sales book in the world has in it, which means you've got to dress for success. And the guy just didn't look the part. But irrespective of that, his comments and concepts are completely wrong. Let me explain to you what I mean. He's saying less is more, focus is more important than how many things you go after. Go after only one or two things in life and or at a moment 
and then be successful with those things. Well, that's what we call priorities, right? Not goals. You could have 10 different goals. Could you not have a goal that I want to be financially free? Could you not at the same time have a goal I'd like to be physically fit? Could you at the same time have a goal that I'd like to have a great relationship with my my wife? I'd like to have a great relationship with my kids. Could you have many goals at the same time? I'd like to do something for my church. Why can't you have all those goals? But what he should be talking about, if you get his verbiage right, his vernacular is wrong, is that you should only focus on one thing at a time. And as you're working on that one thing, you focus on that one thing. That's a priority. And if you have more than three priorities in life, you don't have any priorities at all. So you have momentary priorities in your life. But let's think about this. He's saying, don't set unrealistic goals. Every goal out there is unrealistic. Every goal is unrealistic. For example, I want to retire. Well, let's talk about that for a second. You want to retire. So your goal is basically unrealistic. Say, well, I want to retire and by the time I'm 30, by the time I'm 50, 60, 70 years old. Now you're saying, well, that's not so unrealistic, right? But if you say that to yourself, I'm going to retire by the time I'm 65 years old, guess what will happen? Exactly that. You've given yourself a very realistic goal that you can meet. And when you meet that goal at 65 years of age and retire, you have completely become successful being mediocre. You are now a mediocre human being. But what's wrong with that is that you've been mediocre your entire life because you never stressed your abilities. You never tapped into your real power because you set wimpy goals. If you set wimpy goals, you get wimpy results. So I would like to suggest to you that this guy is getting it wrong and maybe we can help him out by just giving him a little more information that there's really two types of goals in your life. There's short-term and long-term goals. There's big goals. And then there's monetary or momentary steps in between where you take that goal and you break it up into bite-sized pieces. So if I were to say, I want to retire in five years or less, that's probably an unrealistic goal. According to this guy, I'm sure. To most people, that's unrealistic. Yet we have people here at Lifestyles do it over and over and over and over again. Now, once they decide that that is their goal, then we're going to sit down with some short-term goals, right? And the short-term goals are going to be set up to get something done in a time period, a short time period. In other words, a guy the other day said his wife told him, if you're going to do this stuff, I want you to buy the first house within 30 days. And he bought the first house within 30 days. She told him, if you're going to go after apartments, I want the first apartment complex within 45 days or 90 days, whatever it was. And he, he went and he got it within 90 days. Those were short-term goals where he focused on one topic at a time. But they did not and were not and are not even today his long-term goal. His long-term goal might be, you know, I think he said he wanted to be like Robert Martinez, so he wants to own 10 apartment complexes or better thereof. Have an incredible business have incredible employees, have an incredible life. That's a big unrealistic goal for a guy that only owned nine houses and even four years ago didn't even own nine houses. Now he wants to own 10 apartment complexes. Wow. So here's this guy trying to convince people in a seminar, in a video that was sent out that you should have wimpy little goals.
you have been given a set of realistic goals from your childhood. Think about the lies that we were told during our entire life. You've been told your whole life to do these moderately easy things. You go through life, you go through college, because if you don't have a college degree, you can't get a good job. So then you go and you get a good job. Now you're working and and you're saving 10% of what you earn or 5% of what you earn or whatever. Now you go out there and you find yourself a spouse and you get married. And now you have to go out there and buy yourself a house. This is expected of you. So you now go and spend your money on a house. But every day you got to get up in the morning, go and drive for an hour to get to work and then work all day long and drive for an hour back. And all this time, your money's earning no money. You're developing no savings. You're not getting any closer to being retired and you realize you have to do this for the rest of your life and then it happens Right. It, it's just you're you're almost a nervous breakdown at this point What you do is you need somebody to love you because nobody else is loving you And so you get yourself a dog and the dog loves you when you come home You got somebody who loves you problem is you got to pick up its turds in the backyard and you do this for 30 or 40 or 50 years And you go I did it. I accomplished what I set out to accomplish. I did what the plan was to do. I've got the kids through college. They're out of college. We're empty nesters. Don't really know my wife anymore. We really don't have any type of relation anymore, but we'll, we'll get it back. We'll kindle it back now when she's so old that, you know, I don't even really want to look at her. I'm so out of shape that I really can't do anything if I did. And, you know, we'll get back. And we'll try to live 65 years of our life in the next five to 10 years of our elderly lives. Except for one problem, we don't have enough money to do that. So I'm going to have to continue to work part time. Uh, or if we do have enough money to retire, it's just barely enough, and we will not be able to travel the world because we don't have enough money to travel the world. We're just going to have to live frugally and go to dinner at 4 o'clock every day to get the senior's discount, right? That's life. And that was a well-laid plan. That was a serious set of goals that you had for your life. But they're mediocre. What good is it to set goals that are mediocre? This guy is so crazy, so out of it, that he's teaching the same lies that everybody else in life teaches, which is less is more. Don't set unrealistic goals. Wow. And by the way, don't set more than one goal, right? Like you shouldn't have a goal that by the time and during my entire 30 years of working, I could stay physically fit that I could create and maintain great relations with my spouse, that I have a great set of relations with my children. Those goals are too many. You can't have them all. You've got to get that money that you can retire with. You've got to get that 40 years of work under your belt. You've got to have that big house and you become house poor. You need two or three cars. You need four college degrees. Little Billy can't even read or write and he's going to college because that's the goals that were set up. You have a set of goals, and they are wimpy. They are realistic, but boy, do you really want them? Just because you can be wimpy doesn't mean you have to be wimpy, or that you should be wimpy. Yes, we all have the capacity to live a mediocre life, a life of quiet desperation. We all have that capacity, but does that mean we have to use that capacity? Does that mean we need to live down to society's standards? I don't think so. I firmly believe that you need to shoot for the stars. You've got to go for something big. Hey, I'd rather go for something big and not get there, miss the stars and hit the moon, than to go for something 
moderate that I can achieve, you're way better off, right? So to do that, we go back to the questions. You have to ask the right questions. How do I retire in five years, not in 35 or 40 or 50 years? You have to have a timetable, and it has to be an unrealistic one. And that's what people do when they come to lifestyles. I'm going to retire in five years or less. You have to say, I want to retire making more, taking home more cash than I take home from my job. I don't want to retire because I'm living poor. No, I understand that I make $100,000 a year, but I only take $60,000 a year home. That's all I take home. That's what I live on after taxes and my 401k contribution and everything else that comes out of my check. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take home $65,000 a year of tax-free income and keep it all. Now, why do I want $65,000 worth? Because I want to do better than what I did at my job. I took home 60, now I want to take home 65. So I've got these financial goals, but at the very same time I'm accomplishing these goals over the next five years, I want to lose 25 pounds and I want to keep it off. And I don't want to do something I don't enjoy to do it. So I'm not going to do a starvation diet or join up for one of these stupid diet programs. I'm going to learn to eat the moderate way that I should to not only lose the weight, but to maintain that while eating foods I enjoy. Now, that's a good goal. I'm going to learn to work out in a way that keeps me fit, but in a way that I can enjoy so I can maintain it for the rest of my life. I'm going to work in one or two date nights a week with my wife. I don't care that we're so busy with our kids. One night a week, somebody's going to babysit those kids. I'm going to go to my kids' games. I'm going to get out there and see them do these things while they're young so they'll forever know that their parent cares. And I'm going to do all these goals at the same time. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. When you look at the effects of what happened in 2008 and you compare it to what we are hopefully coming out of right now, real estate has definitely shown its resiliency. It has provided for people not only a place to live, but a place to work, a place to raise their children, a place to teach their children, a place to prepare all of their meals. And that's really where the rubber meets the road, is that there are two things that people have to have, and they strive very hard to have them. And that's a roof over their head and food on the table. And if you are investing in something related to either of those two things, you are going to have a winning strategy. And in addition to that, you're providing something of value to the people around you. And creating a win-win situation while creating wealth and passive income for yourself is the best life you can get. Real estate is resilient. You should have real estate in your portfolio. Join us for the next live online free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, I want to discuss with you a different concept. The concept is one of dead equity. 
and what it's doing to you as a human being or as a family with your investments. And I do this in live seminars in a way that really probably doesn't work on the radio, but I'll go through it for you because if you listen to the podcast, if you're driving, you're probably not going to be able to get this, but if you listen to the podcast, and by the way, if you are driving and listening to the shows, you should realize that there are podcasts of every show I do that you can go back to and listen to again if you'd like to. So if you miss this, that's fine, but what everybody do is add up their total net worth. So that would be the value of your net value of your home after you take off the mortgage, uh, your 401k, your IRA, your savings accounts, your uh, stocks and bonds, your cash, savings, all of your assets, including little Billy's college fund, all of your money, add it all up. What are you? What is your net worth? Most people don't even know that. And that's the first thing you should do is know what your net worth is. Uh, you can't have a goal, like we were talking last segment, about a goal of something you don't even know what it is, and your net worth is really the secret to wealth. Um, you, you've got to be able to build that net worth. And secondly, not only do you want to build and protect that net worth, you have to have a return on it. And if you don't have a return on it, then it's useless even having it, because all you're going to do is you're going to spend it one way or another, whether you spend it now or you spend it later, you're just spending it. So the net worth has to have a return. So what I want you to do is add up your net worth. Then what I want you to do is take and add up all of your passive income for a year ago, 2017. And passive income is going to be, you know, interest income, royalty income, Net rental income, that's the net amount after all the costs and expenses that goes with it, uh, net rental income. Uh, it's those things that come to you from investments. Now, by the way, a uh, retirement account is not passive income. That's earned, deferred earned income. In other words, you've already earned it, and now you're getting paid it, right? That's deferred compensation. So that is not earned income. Uh, or is not passive income. A 401k money, if you're pulling money out of a 401k, that is not passive income because the 401k is earned income. You put it in there, your employer matched it because you had a job. So what you got to ask yourself is what income producing assets do I own? And how much income did I own? Even if I didn't go to work, how much income would I earn in 2017? Now, the next step is to take the income and divide it by the net worth. And what you have is a return on your net worth. And what most people find when we do this live is that 90, 90, 95% of the people have less than 1% return on their net worth. Now, how do you expect your family to get anywhere financially when you're making less than 1% on your net worth? That's a very scary thought to try to figure that out, how you think you're going to get rich on that or how you're going to live off of that. Even if you had a high net worth, you only made a half a percent or a tenth of a percent. I mean, you're talking about they don't even have a percent return. They have a tenth of a percent return is what you're looking at. Now, that's about 90 percent of the people. And then some people have some investments, say another nine, another five percent to 6 or 7% more, so you've up to like 95, 96, 97%, and they're making somewhere between 1% and 5% return on their net worth. And that's because they've employed this capital to do something, right? Now, the problem is some they might even be making deals that make 100% return on a real estate deal, but that 100% then is divided out across 
$800,000 worth of net worth, and it doesn't really mean anything because it's a very small percentage. So they have lowered this return, even though they're out there doing stuff that's very successful investments, but they've lowered the rate of return on those investments by having too much equity. So the number one thing that kills an investor is debt equity. That's money sitting there doing nothing. What are the worst culprits? The worst culprits are your personal residence, your 401k, and your IRA. Now, I know you think that you've got 400000 in your IRA or your 401k. I'm sorry. You don't because you have to give up half of it to take it out. Even if you wait until you're six, 59 and a half, you still have to pay your income tax rate on that money to get it out. So you don't have what you think in there. So it's really kind of delusional. You know, you're thinking, wow, this thing's making me money, but it isn't because you have never got it. If you don't get the money, you aren't earning the money. This is something you have to understand. Until you earn money and get it where you can spend it, you haven't earned it. You say, well, it's on a piece of paper called my 401k, and I see that numbers on that piece of paper getting larger. Sure, and they will until the day they don't, and that day they might go backwards on you. So you can't say, well, I was up to 500000 now I'm down to 300000 So, but I made the 200000 No, you never made the 200000 guys. That's the problem. You're not seeing it for what it really is. You've got to get that personal residence, which you've got $400,000 of your personal of your life savings in that house. What does it earn you? Nothing. Do you still have to pay taxes? You paid off the mortgage, but do you still have to pay the taxes? Yes. You still have to pay the insurance? Yes. You still have to pay for maintenance and repair? Yes. You still have to pay, you know, spend time and money to mow the yard and whatever. That's maintenance, I guess. All of that stuff. But you haven't earned a dime by paying it off. None. If you get sued and it's not your personal residence, say it's a rental property, they can take it away from you. It's just the thought of paying off a house is so common, yet so ignorant in every way, shape, and form. There's absolutely nothing logical about paying off your personal residence other than this. And this is the one logical one. And that is you've got so much money, cash, to invest that you can make the income that you want to make with the money you have liquid and not need the money in the house. Um, I was reading an article here that was rather interesting, stimulated the thought process, and it says, what are the top 10 markets for long-term investing, as in single-family housing, I think they're talking about, or maybe not, it might be multifamily housing also. Um, but the concept was an interesting one to me. And they, they produced this uh, proposal that when you're looking for a long-term market to invest in, you should be looking for a market in middle range of rent growth and rate growth and value growth. And the theory is, if you're in the booming markets, like in the past, we've had Florida was booming, California was booming, whatever, or Phoenix for a while was booming back in 2006, 2007, they were just unhooked. That those booming markets are the ones that are most susceptible to any type of a recession that those numbers will come crashing down because they're balloon numbers. They're artificially too high. Then they say, if you're in a really deep recession state, the question is, will it come out of that recession or not? How long before it comes out of that condition? And that might be if ever. So if you've got very low and sluggish growth, you may get no growth at all, or it might end up like Michigan did for a while, Gary, Indiana, Detroit, some of these places um, where the city's almost closed down some percentage of the whole city, and you could lose everything. 
So what they're saying is moderate growth cities. Now, they go on to bring up this next term that's rather interesting. Let's see if I can find that term real quick. And that is um, income pricing calculations. And what they're saying is, for what they're looking for, for their long-term investments, is a city where the cost of living uh, is equivalent to the growth of single-family or multifamily housing, cost of housing, let's just put it that way. So if you live in a city where you can work an average job and afford to pay an average housing check, bill, income, rent, mortgage, whatever, then that is sustainable that that area will continue to grow at a moderate rate of growth, but a sustainable rate of growth for a long period of time. It's not blowing up, and it's not dying. So that's what they say they're looking for. And they're basing it off this ratio between income and housing costs. I've seen when you get in at the bottom and get into an area, and I bought into that area and it did nothing for long periods of time. Uh, I've also bought in areas that were down that gave me an opportunity for Good growth because maybe the the area was in transition. Maybe it was an area that was what they call regentrifying, changing, repositioning itself. I've been in areas that were overheated, and I've never really liked overheated areas because you pay way too much to buy stuff. And so I've never really bought into it. I, I mean, I've seen them. I've not been in them, but I've seen them, and I've got out. I've always got out right when things get super, super, super hot because to me, rule number one is don't lose money. And if there's going to be a, you know, if there's going to be a bust, I don't want to be in that asset when there's a bust on that asset. When things get super, super hot, I tend to sell, take my profits. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could know when the market was coming up, get in it, stay in it till it got up to just about where it got too hot and get out. That's been my success for 27, 30 years of investing in real estate. I get in when it's low to moderate and I get out before it becomes fire hot. So I never am buying speculation, right? I'm never buying speculation. Yet over the past years, I've learned, because when I first started, I bought really low price, really bad area of properties. I've learned that that's not that good either because the, the problems and the challenges with those areas are not worth it. In the long run, I did my best on my moderate properties. All the stuff I bought in the middle, just, and it was beautiful stuff. And it started in 1978 construction and went all the way to 1985 construction, 78 to 85. Those eras, those moderate eras, which were either C or B product, C to B product is where I made my killing. That's where I got rich. Quite honestly, I, my millions came from those properties, that era. And so I tend to believe these guys have got it. Now, they have given us 10 areas they think are the 10 best possible. Let me see if we got enough time to get through these 10. Uh, number one, well, I don't know if they're in particular. They just got 10 that are best. Las Vegas uh, has an 8% price increase in 2016, 11% in 2017, has a 1% variance between housing costs and income. Sacramento, California had a 7% last year, 10% this year. Minneapolis, Minnesota had 5% last year, 8% this year. Ogden, Utah went from 8 to 10. Fort Worth went from 9 to 11. Grand Rapids went from 8 to 10. Portland went from 5 to 8. Boston went from 6 to 8. And Columbus, Ohio went from 7 to 8. And all of these areas had less than a 10% variance between cost of living and income. And some of them actually 
had a negative variance, which means it was really cheaper to live there. Or you really got paid more than what you could afford to live there very easily. In other words, it's a positive thing. If that's the case, what we're going to do, let's get ourselves in some good, solid, middle-of-the-line real estate investments that are going to solidly maintain their growth over a long period of time. And that will solidify your family's wealth for your entire generation. That's all you need. Then, periodically, if anything changes, you're going to change too. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. I noticed that investing with other people wasn't nearly as profitable as owning my own stuff. So I went back and bought giant stuff for myself so that there was only a few businesses I had to manage to make tons of money. On and on and on. The story keeps growing. You know, I keep buying different types of investments that are more and more leaning towards not being involved, not having anything to have to do with them, and less and less on how massively profitable they are. Because now I don't need the massive profitability because I'm already at the point at life where I have more than enough money to live a great life for the rest of the number of years I'll ever live. At my point, it's just a matter of I don't want to work that hard. And so it changes again. Now, if you would have talked to Dell at any point along the way, you would have gotten advice that was about that moment in my life. That would have been for help. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Bomsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Bomsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.